0: Hello again, listeners. I welcome you to another episode of the Business Line podcast. I'm Sanjana B, your host for today. The Indian gaming industry's revenue stands at $3.1 billion in the financial year 2023. With around 15.4 billion gaming downloads in the current financial year, India is one of the largest gaming markets in the world. At the rate at which the e-gaming market in India is growing, It is expected to reach the $7.5 billion valuation mark by 2028. Today, we discuss the e-gaming industry's possible scope for expansion in India and the increasing number of avid gamers in the country. We have Saloni Segal, the founding general partner at Lumikai, and Saurabh Pandey, founder and CEO at Elo Elo, to talk about this. Hi, Saloni, and hi, Saurabh. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Hi. There was a slump in the e-gaming industry in financial year 2023 compared to twenty two. What do the next two years look like for the sector? Is there any hope for an increase in raising funds? Maybe Saloni can get started with this?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, well, thank you so much for having us and for that question. You know, broadly Look, the way we have viewed and mapped the market and, you know, you quote some of the numbers from our report and what we've seen is a depth and breadth in the market beyond what was previously thought of, right? Initially, you know, whenever looked at the India market, investors looked at the India market, all they saw was uh, real money gaming uh, players or gamers who were interacting with games in a way which was very cash in cash out based. However, through the course of our research, and this is, you know, with with knowledge partners like Google, and we've undertaken consumer research as well, we've discovered that there is a far greater depth and breadth to the ecosystem than was previously thought. Not only are there companies who are building games, but there are also a number of companies now which are building platforms and using games in a very, very different way. You know, Saurabh can talk a little bit about Elo Elo in that form. But, you know, we have seen now the emergence of Transaction-led gaming, which is led by IAPs, ad-based revenues. We see virtual gifting, virtual tipping, and we see the industry expand beyond just what was skill-based gaming to a uh, broader gaming led by mid-core games, core games by social gaming platforms, uh, game streaming platforms tools tech infrastructure companies and companies which are now leveraging games for let's say frontier tech whether it's being used in blockchain whether it's being whether it's uses frontier tech like mixed reality or even generative ai so the industry has expanded manifold and the quantum of talent the quality of talent the number of global investors who are now looking at that space has also significantly grown and you know, while fundraising did slump over the course of let's say the last two years, that has largely been in line with what we've seen in the macro markets play out. Right? Even in the macro markets, funding has slumped by about eighty percent. But that being said, there have been winners who have emerged in the India market. Like for example, you know, ELO ELO itself they they've raised a Series B round of twenty two million led by two global funds who are very very active um, and looking at India Indian companies. Uh, So, you know, I I believe fundraising and we already in the last month or so, we see deal flow activity and fundraising activity pick up. And that's very evident. You know, if you see news that is coming out every day, there's a lot more deals being financed. And, you know, we believe that given the growth of the industry and given just the sheer quantum of people engaging with games, you know, we have 500 million gamers. We expect the next two years to be incredible um, for the India market. Um, So that's that's at least what we're seeing on the ground.
2: Thank you, Saloni. Saurabh? Yeah. Um, Hi, Sanjana. Uh, And again, thank you so much for having me here. Um, I think Saloni has summarized it really well. Uh, I'll just add a couple of thoughts of mine as a platform playwright. One, in the overall space, I think any sector where there is attention, uh, which is coming in through users, there is going to be growth. There are going to be platforms, publishers, everyone that sort of grows along with those uh, users who are giving it that much watch time, giving giving it that much of attention as a currency, which is a subsequent reason why Funds will raise more, more companies will raise as well. So like Saloni said, we raised a pre-series B very, very recently. So that's again, testimony to the fact that the Indian space of interactive entertainment gaming is just getting started. I think uh, if you look at gaming from a broader lens of a means of socialization, right? I think the potential is immense. I mean, we're seeing so many use cases at this point of time. Like if I speak from the behalf of what I see at Elo Elo, we believe that we are le- looking at use cases of gaming to connect with newer people who share common interests, to talk to hosts, etc. And then new models emerge. It's not the traditional real money gaming models at all. It's models around tipping, it's models around IAP, which according to Lumikai's recent report as well, have been growing really, really fast. So that is one big use case that I see emerging in the last one, two years. And second is the entire space of, you know, uh, Indianized gaming, right? I mean, or using gaming for various use cases, like some of the games that we see, which are most popular are games, which are very, very colloquial to India and our culture. So games like Thambola, games like Snakes and Ladders, games like Ludo. So your, a lot of times our imagination of gaming is always on the AAA titles or the AA titles of the world. But there are a lot of indie games that are doing well, there are a lot of publishers who are doing well. So I think the industry broadly is just getting started. Uh, it's like you said, uh, it is on the trajectory of the $7.5 billion. But I think the pie is going to be very different from an RMG dominated one. Now it's moving more towards platforms, IAPs, etc. And newer and newer models coming in. So yeah.
0: Thank you, Saurabh. What does the CAGR and outlook for the gaming industry look like? So, you know, the way we have mapped the
1: market is, you know, the industry is expected to grow north of 20% um, over the next five years. And out of that, we see IAPs, which is in-app purchases or essentially microtransactions to be growing at a 46% CAGR and followed by ad based revenue which is further going to grow north of 20% so 23% to be exact again as uh, Saurabh mentioned you know this is a market which has now transitioned very very quickly into becoming uh, monetizable or becoming um, or or, or uh, users now appreciating that they are willing to pay For games. Uh, When we also did research, we discovered a 25% conversion of users uh, who are actually actively paying in games. And that's about translates roughly into 140 million uh, uh, gamers as well. Now there is a belief and there is a myth that you know this this is a you know India's growth story is only limited to 25, 30 million households or uh, that India's growth story is propelled by, let's say, a few of those tier one audiences who pay for ride sharing and food uh, delivery, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas gaming has transcended that, right? Because the value per price proposition of a, ga- of a game or the kind of platforms that Saurabh, for example, is, is the founder of, there the value of a pr- price proposition of the microtransaction is incredibly small, right? It's anywhere between 10 to 50 rupees. And the and that is at a very accessible and a very affordable price point. And the second, the ubiquity of UPI has actually unlocked those kind of microtransactions in a way that was previously not possible. So you know, when we undertook research, we actually discovered that they used there were out of our surveyed uh, audience, 23 percent of folks said that earlier we used to play games for free or earlier we used to use platforms for free, but now we also spend money platforms and that kind of shift is something that we have seen over the course of the next one year and and that's the kind of shift that we anticipate to see even going forward
0: thank you saloni sarah
2: yeah i think in terms of numbers nothing further to add uh because the kagger numbers have already been covered well i think all uh i have uh as an afterthought on this uh, on this point is uh, one very interesting factor that is leading to these uh, to this cager is the use case expansion that we're very very clearly seeing. Like I can speak about gaming as a means of doing a lot of aspects so like for example we've been observing companies who are using gaming as a means of better ways of communicating use cases on education we've been seeing gaming as a means of streaming which other platforms are sort of doing very well gaming as a means of socialization gaming as a means of talking to people who speak your language etc i think this use case was not there earlier And earlier you would look at gaming as a predominant means of real money gaming. I think that shift has led to this CAGR. The second point that I would like to add is that with this shift, you have to start talking to the middle India user, right? And for any category to start exploding or to start seeing a massive growth in CAGR, which gaming is seeing is typically going to happen. If you are going beyond the top 20, 30 million households, And I think that is something we are seeing very, very clearly here. I mean, our growth in that space has been very high. Most of the other companies I know who are building in this space are seeing very strong trajectories. And this is also a category which is very interestingly uh, a space which is very recession proof. Because the category tends to grow, even when a lot of other macroeconomic factors may not be going in the same direction, because the category has been agnostic of that it's a place of people escaping from own realities and going into a digital third place expressing themselves you know being themselves for about 10-15 minutes so that has been really the contributor of this growth so two things again like i would summarize one is the new use cases of gaming that are coming up right from education to socialization to streaming to tipping etc and second being the entire middle india or the tier 2 tier 3 that has really sort of Taken to gaming and taken to use cases of payments around gaming that could be tipping, that could be IAP, that could be just socialization. All of that is contributing to this CAGR growth that sort of Siloni already mentioned. Thank
1: you. Yeah, and add an additional point to that, and you know that's around we don't talk about it. Enough, but that's that's about demographic expansion, right? Where we, you know, earlier it was also looked at, you know, uh, games. Or in general, entertainment, right, is looked as it's a male-oriented activity. For example, eighty there's a stat which says that eighty percent of cinema goers are actually men. Or Max did this study, right? Gaming is often looked at as phenomena where you know it's it's urban thirteen-year-old boys playing shooter games. Now that also has been turned on its head, right? And as 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 sort of, uh very correctly points out, is that when you have multiple uh, verticals within gaming. It has also resulted in inherently a appealing to a wider swath of audiences. You know, as per our research, forty percent of gamers are actually women, and when we look at even companies like ELO ELO, for example, forty percent uh, or or most sort of correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that user base is also female. I think 70, 80 percent of their creators are women, right? So that demographic expansion often gets hidden amongst the headline numbers. But we have to understand that there is, as a sector, it has become incredibly inclusive and uh, and egalitarian in that sense, in terms of usage and adoption behavior curves that we've seen.
0: Thank you. What kind of employment is the gaming industry looking to generate, especially with the rise of Twitch streamers? And how do payments and collaborations work? Saurabh, would you like to go ahead first?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you can look at employments in this space in two uh, sort of cuts, right? One is the talent itself that is joining companies that are either platforms or publishers or studios, the entire spectrum, right? And here you're looking at a completely new crop of folks, right? From game developers to game designers, to motion graphics, uh, to editors, to people who are very very strong in UI UX product management, um, developers across various formats, right? Right from HTML5 to Live GDX to Unity to newer and newer frameworks that have come into gaming, cloud gaming, etc. So. All of those spaces are where there are a lot of offshoots that are happening and growth happening in terms of core folks who are joining these companies and growing them to larger outcomes. Right. But the second aspect that you mentioned is very interesting. And that's the aspect of Twitch streamers that you said. So in India, I mean, what we have seen is the rise of the indie streamer, right? Because in India we realize that there are, various kinds of use cases that the audience has at ELO ELO. We believe that we are trying to look at a newer crop, which is a gen two creator or an indie streamer who's somebody who's very localized, possibly speaks your local language. Somebody who speaks a Gujarati, a Marathi, a Bengali, a Tamil, Telugu and comes live, you give them a game to just essentially build context with the audience. So when they host a tambola, when they host a chidiya, when they do that, their live sessions get more interesting as a streamer. So it's not conventionally the casting of a game, which, which has popularized, which is also great, which a lot of startups are doing in India. And it's also a great use case. But we've also seen a new use case here at Elo Elo where it's about interacting, playing that game together, almost like a living room party coming together or somebody escaping to like a digitally third place. And that gives rise to a new generation of, creators or streamers or what you could call as this entire Gen 2 wave of creators. Right. And I think that is massive. There are various models around this, uh, right from, you know, performance based incentives to actually rev share the most popular ones being when people actually gift these creators, the platform takes a certain share and the rest sort of goes to creators. And this leads to micro entrepreneurship opportunities. I mean, for example, I've come across numerous creators who've said that, you know, I could fund my college fee second year, uh, the entire second year college fee because I was working with XYZ platform and streaming consistently. I could buy this gear or I could do this purely from the money that I earned from this platform by doing something so cool, so legitimate where I was streaming, I was talking about my experiences, I was hosting a game, etc. So I think this new crop of entrepreneurship is super interesting that is coming up because of this.
1: Saloni? I think uh, Saurabh's given a great uh, overview. I, I will add, you know, why is it at least streaming becoming popular? And why is it that we're just suddenly seeing these, the emergence of this as a as a, almost a new sector? And the large part of what our research shows is there is what we call a growing trend of digital decolonization. And when I say digital decolonization, what I mean by that is that we see more and more Indians taking pride in their, uh, you know, identities, in their Indianness, and that could come in any form, whether it is, um, you know, local language, whether it's just your aesthetic, whether it is, you know, your, your local community, but there is almost a decoupling from what we're seeing from, let's say, there it's no longer about, let's say, blindly copying the West. But it's about creating and really appreciating what is very Indian. So whether it's playing Indian games or, you know, being on platforms like in Elo Elo, we also have a platform called Loco, which is a more of a game streaming platform for for mobile first AAA titles where they stream games like BGMI and Free Fire and GTA. And there is room for both. And both have very distinctive audience spaces and both have very distinctive uh, use cases as well. And this goes back to, again, you know, a demographic expansion, a depth, but also an increasing pride in, let's say, you know, being very uh, nuanced or being very Indian in the way you are do- undertaking this. We are not aping the West anymore. You know, we there are a number of Hindi game streamers, a uh, number of creators, like, even on Saurabh's platform, you know, which are playing Sam CD, Th- Chidiya or Tol Mol Ke Bol, who are coming on. Um, appealing to a wide swath of, of users. And, you know, I think that depth um, and that kind of cultural mindset needs to needs to be recognized and acknowledged. And that in itself will propel, you know, employment and entrepreneurship opportunities in, in the sector.
0: Recently, there was an imposition of 28% GST on online real money gaming. What are some other challenges the gaming industry is facing? Saurabh?
2: Um, I think no comment on this from my end because we don't qualify for that twenty-eight percent GST piece. Uh, no comment from my end. I think Saloni can possibly add from an industry perspective.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, I you know again, I think uh, we have like, the way we look at an industry is from a much broader lens, and you know the I think what has been great has been the clarity that has emerged from let's say the regulatory bodies and the governments which have essentially. Uh, looked at the gaming sector as a whole, and has essentially broken down the sector into multiple verticals, which is absolutely the right way to look at it, and it's been done in the global markets. You know, They've looked at, let's say, skill-based gaming, they've looked at esports. they look at content-based gaming, they've looked at platforms, they look at tools, tech, infrastructure, and they've essentially come up with a taxation policy, which is essentially focused on the RMG or the skill-based gaming sector, and they've essentially created rules around it. But if we see the government's overall view on what the gaming uh, sector essentially encompasses you know now they've recognized esports as a formal medal sport they have recognized uh, content companies under the avgc task force with uh, which is essentially animation video games and visual effects task force they've also come out with separate rules governing uh, platforms and social, uh, under the social media intermediary norms right so that kind of taxation that kind of regulatory uh, clarity is i think incredibly good for the sector And you know that GST imposition, as you talked about, only targets a very small sub targets a sub segment uh, and a vertical of gaming. But in any case, when we see user journeys of you know how they are moving towards gaming, we see a lot of migration from let's say gamers who were essentially playing real money games to other formats of gaming, whether it's content-based. We're also seeing, you know, esports do very well in the in the country. We're also seeing the emergence of unique platforms like, you know, ELO and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, the, I think that kind of subdivision and sub-verticalization of the broader ecosystem is a very good thing because it recognizes the depth and the distinctions between the various verticals.
0: What is the extent of AI influence on game design? Will this affect the requirement of actual designers, Saloni?
1: You know, I it's a really interesting question. It's something I think we we grapple with, uh, I, and I think something I'm sure our portfolio founders think about as well. And I'd love to get Saurabh's view on how you know they're looking to integrate AI into their pipelines, and you know there are two thoughts. One is how does AI integrate into current technical uh pipelines uh which where you already have existing products, right? Now, if you are very you have you're a legacy business, you've been running for let's say you know 10 10 years, there's a lot of legacy architecture, you there's a lot of technical debt. Um, so the possibility of integrating AI into those pipelines is probably harder, but definitely there are room in gaming companies, particularly where, let's say, 3D asset generation or concept art or, you know, technical art uh, where uh, or QA, for example, where AI can definitely be augmented into pipelines. But there is a new crop of companies which are emerging as AI first, and they are leveraging AI and game mechanics in a wholly different way, right? For example, we have a company called Supernova, where they essentially use generative AI to create real-time interactive tutors for educational curriculum to train to teach kids right it's a far cry from what traditional edtech was and you know this is a company which is essentially starting their module with spoken english and the ch- child is interacting with a real time uh, ai tutor who gives interactive assignments they play games and they're learning english uh, curriculum based english in a really fun manner And with actual learning outcomes, right? And this is a business which is already growing 30 to 40% month on month. Now, they are AI first. And there is also room for companies who are going to be, let's say, using AI first in terms of game design. However, the more complicated part, which is product, UI, UX, level design, monetization balances will still require human intervention. I don't believe it will quite overtake it, but there is definitely room and we see more and more companies adapt uh, AI into their pipeline. But I, I'd be very curious to hear what, what Saurabh's doing because I know they're doing some really cool stuff as well.
2: Yeah, uh, sure. I, I'll add on to uh, two aspects around this slide. One is what we believe is possible in this space from the pure answer to your question, which is on game design, et cetera. Uh, I'll add a disclaimer that because most of our games are low touch, low fidelity, most of ours are built in house or working with external devs. And the space is limited in terms of what you can showcase on a screen. So those are not the larger AAA, AA games where such kind of possibilities are uh, sort of done. But I think the possibility of game designs intersection with AI is immense because right from imagining new creatives or new worlds within the realm of the game, right? Right from where you're playing to what universe or what world would you want it to be? What background would you want it to be? What skins? And those adapting real time to your mood or to what you're feeling at that time without it being preset because it's essentially coming... From a particular large language model could be a super interesting possibility, which I am sure a lot of companies are already dealing are already building or dealing with. What we see, because we are in this uh, live streaming and games sort of as an enabler to conversation spaces, the use of AI for two very interesting use cases. One is better QA, because now you don't need to actually have physical devices to test everything. You can actually model it out. You can use AI to just run simulations and run and ship out a much better product as opposed to what you would do earlier. And there are tons of things that are happening on this space. And second is real-time moderation. So for folks who are using the entire model of streaming or hosting a game, moderation becomes a great use case and AI becomes a massive enabler right from breaking down a frame into multiple parts to ensuring that everything that is happening is great for sort of family consumption etc is a big use case of where AI is assisting companies such as ours so these two use cases being used a lot and the first one which is around game design I'm sure a lot of possibilities that a lot of publishers studios etc are already building on.
0: What are some problem statements for the sector? Saloni if you could take the lead?
1: Sure you know I think I'd say a couple of things that we see are definitely areas of opportunity right one is weed and i think that these are again that's it's an area of opportunity but also i'd say area currently under development you know previously the indian games industry was you know was appear was supposedly very niche it you know uh founders found it difficult to raise money they used to be quite hamstrung in terms of access to capital and access to risk capital, more importantly, and hence, there were very low hanging fruits that were easily taken up by the first wave of uh, gaming founders, right? I'd say a lot of that has changed on its head now. Every major fund in the country has a gaming thesis and an interactive media thesis rather. And we have several global funds who are now looking at the india market very very actively and you know several of our portfolio have been backed by international investors both strategic and financial so you know i'd say one is access to capital the second is access to talent right as as this sector explodes we are going to need state support or government support in order to be making you know how do you get the next generation of product managers? How do you get the next generation of game designers? How do you get, where do you get the next generation of UI UX uh, 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 talent? Where do you get user acquisition talent? Uh, All of those are questions that I think will start to come up as, you know, companies start being built in the space. However, I'd say again, India has a fairly good foundation. We have come from a land of, you know, strong technical and uh, technology uh, talent, we also are now, we have seen the likes of large global companies set up in India. For example, you know, several of the uh, Baiju's teams, etc., were ex zinga folks, right? Uh, who And they were essentially took their gaming experience and translated into broader experience as well. So I'd say talent is definitely going to be a crunch that's going to emerge for companies who are building at scale. And I'd say finally will be, you know, Access to, uh, and I think that's becoming again something very, very uh, the ease of doing business in terms of compliances or exit scenarios or you know capital market liquidity. Again, I think the last one year has been incredible. Right, we've seen Indian companies now flip back into India structures. We've seen Indian companies list on the Indian bourses. All of those are incredibly encouraging uh, for international investors. So that kind of goes back to the first point is that, you know, how do we ensure that these companies attract amazing global talent? They are based in India and eventually they are able to achieve liquidity events for their international investors, which are mm-hmm. gauged by, I guess, you know, dollar denominated risk reward expectations. That's broadly my thought. Sarah? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I look again, uh, look at these challenges and divide them into two opportunity areas. Saloni has really sort of covered it very well. I'll just add on two things that I'm seeing from a more operator lens at this point. One is infrastructure uh, in terms of appealing to game audiences, appealing to audiences who are from Uh, the audience that we've been discussing the middle India and the, you know, tier two, tier three audiences who may not have the most high end devices, right? So they are typically using a device, which is an eight, nine K device from let's say a POCO, let's say an OPPO, let's say a Vivo, the available RAM could be lesser, the download speed that they are able to get is lesser. So how do you build a great user experience? for somebody who's using a simple smartphone, right? Somebody who's new to the entire smartphone economy, somebody who's using something where lesser and lesser data is available. So you can't expect that user to download a 1GB game or a 1GB sort of a, you know, platform and then use that. So how do you build something which is very lightweight, which can get the early to internet consumer to transact to bring them on board and to have the best sort of onboarding and delight that particular user. I think that's a big opportunity that a lot of companies have not sort of really tapped into because everyone sort of gone for the top 1% top 10% pie. I think this is where the real juice sort of lies. And that's one. The second is, using games as a means to an end which is game-enabled use cases like Saloni had mentioned about companies in the education space and other use cases we are seeing games as a means of gamifying a live stream if I were to say that there are other companies who are doing stuff around uh, fintech I think games use cases can transcend across not just core gaming but to every industry and you can gamify any basic product right from stock markets to this to streaming to commerce etc i think that's a huge opportunity area which not many have tapped into and have thought of gaming as a very conventional game game itself looking at that from a game design and game economics point of view and transcending it to more and more categories is a massive opportunity unlock so i think yeah these two come top of my mind
0: that's it for today Thank you, Saloni, and thank you, Saurabh, for joining us for this episode of the Business Line podcast. We will see you again soon.